We're here with Wes Johnson, Twins pitching coach. Wes, thanks so much for taking the time to join the show today. Well, I, I, you know, thanks for having me. Really excited to, uh, to be on the radio. Yeah, this is great. And this is your first big league camp. Come from the college ranks. I want to ask you right off the bat. Do you feel like there are more, I don't want to say pressure, but more eyeballs on you as a guy jumping from Division One college pitching to now Major League pitching coach? Oh, I'm sure there are, but, you know, I can't ever, you can't ever let that affect you, right? I mean, uh, a lot of people don't realize how much goes on in the SEC from TV cameras to, um, you know, media requests and so forth. I mean, we have the SEC network there that's obviously only covers the, the, the that conference, so with that being said, there there was always cameras and people sure. and uh, watching us. So for me, it doesn't bother me. You got to go out and do your job. I want. I'm trying to get a couple of people to describe you, Wes, and your <laughs> role, uh, your approach to your role. I should say, how would you put it into words? Oh, I like to have fun for starters. Um, you know, I want to come in every day. I mean, I started playing this game because it was fun when I was little and. And then continue to coach it because I had fun. You know, with that being said, then, then I think after that, um, I, we're going to educate. Uh, we're, especially in a, in a day and age, it's kind of funny when I first started coaching, you could be, you know, the styles were different. Yeah. And now we, we better educate because uh, of Twitter and different so, social media outlets, you know, there's a lot of information out there. So when a guy comes to ask you if he's read something on social media, if that's true or not, or if that will help him, you better be able to answer. And so for me, it's like I love to have fun, uh, but then right behind that, we've got to educate. Yeah. And, um, and we've got to be telling these guys why we're making a change if we are to them. I'm glad that you said that, Wes, because I think that the first thing that people say when you ask, well, what's Wes like? What's it like to work with him? They talk about the jokes. And you and I were just walking over. We're sitting at Hammond Stadium here in Fort Myers. We're walking over for this interview. And you walk by big Mike Pineda, who's all of 6'7", yeah. and you running start jumped to the top of his outstretched arm to give him a high five and showing off your vertical skills. The first thing people say is, like, he let, he's, he's a fun guy. He's cracking a joke. But it's not just, you know, goofy. It's, it's having fun while you're working hard, it seems like, anyways, from the outside looking no, in. No, that, that's 100%. I mean, I want our guys to have fun, right? Um, they st- they, they're no different than me. They started playing this game for some reason because it was fun. It was sure. And I, you know, and I think that's also – that's not just me. That's Rocco. Uh, Rocco has made that real evident to our staff, too, that we want these guys to have fun. And so that just kind of fit my personality. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I'm curious about the interview process. Uh, you know, the Twins are in the market, and Derek Falvey, who's a couple years at the helm now, but – it's really changed in the years. I've been covering the Twins for five, six years, and uh, it's kind of staggering the, the number of changes in a good way that this, this staff and the development and all of that has undergone. What was the communication process like when you were interviewing for this job? Uh, what, what made the Twins stand out to you to even want to make a jump like this? Well, I, yeah, I mean, I, I've, I've had some opportunities in the past. Um, you know, so one of the things for me to leave college – it had to be a progressive organization that I really thought was progressive, not just in the front office, but on the field as well. Sure. And with that being said, you know, the communication with Derek, I, and, I, and Derek, I think, knew that about me before the, okay. uh, you know, hearing that through different people or whatever. And so part of that communication process was um, it, it, that the, the interviews are always a two-way street, right? They're, they're interviewing you, and, and you should be interviewing them. And, sure. And I was trying to get a feel if I really thought 
we were moving in as a progressive uh, flow as what I was hearing. And uh, so communication was outstanding. Um, Thad and Derek, uh, both, you know, I felt real comfortable with them. Then I obviously started talking with Rocco quite a bit to make mm-hmm. sure that, like I say, that we weren't just doing it in the front office. Uh, we were doing it on the field. And uh, it became uh, relevant or it, it just became real clear that Rocco was wanting to move in that direction. And so that, boy, that made it pretty easy. Once you Once those factors line up, uh, then you're like, okay, you know what? I'll make this job. Sure, that's great. There's, we could talk about any number of pitchers on your staff. We're just talking about how many guys there are in camp. We we could probably do a 15 minute conversation just on pitcher X and not even scratch the surface. So I ask you this to maybe there's a bigger picture story in here, but I was talking with Stephen Gonsalves the other day about what he calls, or maybe you coined the term, the road to 95. What does that mean? Can you share that insight yeah, with well, our listeners? You know, I, I, I've, I've used that term for a long time because, you know, it's funny. When I first started using that term, 95 was really hard to get to. Now there's a lot of guys who throw 95, yeah, sure. right? Uh, but for Stephen, I brought it back because um, one of the things that I'm trying to uh, – help Stephen with is is that road is very skinny and and windy and straight uphill for him um we've got to get him back to doing some things he was doing you know when he was in high school for example okay. and, and to unlock those movement patterns and to get them back it's hard and so I told him I said hey man that road to 95 is hard but you're we're putting you we're setting you on it and you'll see that and, yeah and it's kind of like I told Stephen the other day that road is windy and and so you're going to experience a peak and then you're going to experience a valley and, you know, he's going through it. He's on that. The biggest thing for Steven is is just getting a very consistent plan, not only from a throwing bullpen stuff standpoint, but from the weight room, which sure. is huge. Like Ian, our head strength coach, does a phenomenal job. Yeah. Tony Lee, our, our head trainer. I mean, those guys getting a consistent plan, not only with just me, but with those uh, people as well. And it's hard. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and but he, of course, he's taken to it extremely well. I'm really excited. You know, he he hit 93 in a game. Yeah, about I, I guess, maybe two starts ago. Now I can't even remember all the days start running together. But um, and, and so you know, it's good for him to see that. Yeah. And uh, to know that the work we've been putting in is paying off. Yeah. Uh, so really excited for Steve. The feedback loop starts to get a little closer and closer as Correct. you get to games. Correct. That's fun. Wes Johnson, Twins pitching coach, is our guest here on Touch Em All. I'm curious, and this is your first year in a big league uniform, big league camp, um, but one of the things that stands out to me is that we're not just we're, – we're talking about everything. It's all, it's all encompassing. We're not talking about just pitch sequencing. We're not just talking about mix and – usage rates and things like that. But if I understand it correctly, you also have a background in biomechanics. How, yeah. how did that develop and how does that help you as a pitching coach? Well, I, I you know, always, I got to give credit to the people who helped me get into it. There was a, I was at Dallas Baptist. Our executive vice president was a man named Dr. Blair Blackburn. And he was like, hey, he brought this to me and, and said, hey, I think you would be interested in it. We have people who can help us, uh, help you learn with this, almost like taking the class and cool. so forth. And then we uh, partnered up with uh, TMI, is a sports medicine place there in Dallas, and we started putting our guys through biomechanics. And uh, so you just start learning. And without going through that whole process, that could be a whole other segment. Yeah, that's right? probably more than 15 but, but, minutes. Right. But <laughs> with, with that being said, um, the things that, that you take from biomechanics is, is the biggest thing, I guess, I would 
I, I tell people all the time is you find out how different each individual really is. Yeah. Uh, so for me to teach Steven Gonzalez, Gonzalez to pitch the same way as Martin Perez is, is silly in my mind. Yeah, they're both left-handed. And so it was about 2012. Uh, we really started individualizing hmm. pitching plans and not only plans, but philosophies. Sure. Um, for example, a guy can't just, not everybody needs to throw down in the zone or not everybody needs to have a curveball, or not everybody needs to have just a the cl- classic straight change. Uh, we were finding out through biomechanics that the delivery, uh, and A, told us how to attack them to get them better, but then it was also telling us what they could and couldn't do from a stuff perspective. Okay. So I, I've, I've still said that's one of the biggest things in my development as a coach I've, I've had in my time. Okay. And how many guys, on, just a curious, at Dallas Baptist, how many guys on the staff? So just so you can start to get the numbers of playing through oh, with many, that. Oh, so how many guys have I put how many guys? Are, no, no, how many in a given year, Wes, would you oh, work oh, with? Oh, gosh. Well, you have guys in the fall, and then by the time sure. you get to the spring, it's kind of like this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. We'll, we'll cut down. So in the spring, you're going to have 15 arms, okay. but in the fall, you could, you'll have as many as 25. Yeah, sure. Okay. And then you start to zero in as yes, the rosters yes. come closer. Wes, one of the things that I had sort of heard about was your ability to, and this goes maybe even back to Dallas Baptist or at your time in Arkansas, I'm not sure, your ability to do a lot with just a little bit of tech and getting that sort of, if you think of it as the 1% edge, how can I get an advantage over my opponent? What sort of what tech, I suppose, did you start dipping your toes in the water? And then we can even fast forward, too, and start talking about the Twins. There is a lot going on here in spring training with the Twins. Sure. Yeah, you know, I mean, I was introduced in the fall of 2014 to track. Or we had been really investigating TrackMan starting in about 2014. And because I knew that the biomechanics that we were getting, like I was telling you earlier, led us to a story on what to use for a guy. And so once we got TrackMan data and the fall of 2014 and then into that spring of 2015 everything started to line up to where we knew uh, a lot of what you're seeing today in baseball where this guy has right he, he has a, a fastball that rides yeah so he needs to throw up in the zone and then he has sink so you know we always need to make sure he's down in the zone just to use basic examples with that being said that's where you get your one percent you know I, i'm always even telling our guys in here that our support staff that help us hey there's always another needle in the haystack, and we our job is to find it. Sure. And uh, and those are tough sometimes, but we, we've got to continue to find the edge. And that's just the way my mind's always worked. I've been that, that guy. I mean, you know, I'm not a very big person, so when I played sports growing up, I always had to, you know, I guess it's just kind of started being ingrained in me then. You know, I had to find the edge then. So, I um, mean, it hasn't changed. You know, you, you want to win, right? So, uh, winning takes you finding edges to beat beat people, and that's what I love doing. Yeah, absolutely. So that's carried over. The Twins are using a lot of that stuff now to try to figure that out. I guess if if there's something, a lot of listeners of this show, Wes, are I think you know big time Twins fans, but they also are fascinated by this uh, the development of new whether it's analytics or whether it's the tech to track some of this stuff with the uh, Rapsoda machines or Edgertronic or any of that stuff. I think they're really interested in that, but I guess I'd ask you that from a from a general audience perspective, what's maybe a big misconception that we have either in the media or as observers of the game that you, Wes Johnson, Twins pitching coach, would like to clarify or clear up? Um, I, I don't think I'm all data-driven. I, I think there's still, you know, we still have to be, there, there has to be a piece of subjectivity in, in us all. 
Um, you know, how's the guy stuffed that day? Um, and I think more than anything, that's, you know, you get labeled, right, in, in, in with things of velocity or data or whatever. But at the end of the day, I think because I do have fun, and I get to know our guys really well on a personal level. And, and then those guys will come to me and tell me things. And so I think that's that piece of subjectivity you've got to have. You know, when they come to you that day and they're like, hey, man, I don't have my breaking ball today. That's fine. We're going to be able to compete with just our fastball and changeup, for example. And we're going to find that breaking ball. It just may be later in the game and in certain situations. So there's still a a piece of me that has quite a bit of subjectivity to it. That's great. Uh, Last question, we'll leave you this. Do you have a nickname? Are people calling you anything down here? Oh, man, I've got a lot of nicknames. (laughs) Come on, man. But uh, that's why I give them out, right? So, man, I've heard them all. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that would be tough. I mean... Me and Albert, Alberto Mejia, we, we go back and forth because I call him Grande Puma. And uh, so <laughs> he's Puma. called me. He comes back with Upoquita Puma or, <laughs> or, you know, I mean, just different things. So for him, he's got some. And then uh, me and Kyle Gibson go at each other pretty good. So, uh, you know, he's skinny, so I call him Big Beef Mountain. And he calls me Death Valley. <laughs> so, you know, I mean, there's just it's – kinda, it's kind of more on that individual basis. But, yeah, there's just a couple little uh, – uh, things where me and some guys go back and forth. That's pretty good. Wes, thank you so much for your time. Appreciate you sitting down. All right, I appreciate it. Y'all have a great day. This view was worth a hike. Right? And it's a good way to stay on top of my health. Yes, I'm Colaguard, a prescription colon cancer screening option for people 45 plus at average risk. Have you screened for colon cancer? Not yet. Don't wait. It's more treatable when caught in early stages. Tell me more. Colaguard is non-invasive and it's used at home. It detects altered DNA in your stool to find 92% of colon cancers. 92%? Yep, even those in early stages. This was seen in a clinical study with patients 50 and older. Any positive result should be followed by a diagnostic colonoscopy. False positive and negative results may occur. Cologuard is not a replacement for colonoscopy in high-risk patients. Do not use if you have had adenomas, have inflammatory bowel disease and certain hereditary syndromes, or a personal or family history of colon cancer. Most insured patients pay $0.00. Ask your provider or an online prescriber if Cologuard is right for you. Or visit Cologuard.com. I'm in.